Let's um. Let's go ahead and stand up together and give a, give a hug to somebody right next to you, behind you, in front of you. Just encourage one another. Let's go ahead and have a seat. It is great to be together as a church family, and uh, that's what we are, amen. We're a family. We love one another. We take care of each other. Uh, it is great to be together. We're going to spend some time in God's Word today. Uh, before we start off, though, I just want to share a couple of, uh, just one quick thing. We had a great um, weekend last week, and we took all the teen leaders from the whole L.A. church, about close to 90 to 100 people, up to Oxnard to spend a weekend away and have a time of refreshing and being together. And I want to show a quick picture here of our awesome uh, teen leader group from the L.A. church uh, right there. These are all um, disciples who, you know, working their full-time jobs are sacrificing their volunteer time to help inspire, spiritually inspire, our young teenagers here in the church and in the community. And I'm really excited and grateful for this group. Uh, we had such a great time. I do want, as a church here in South Bay, to recognize uh, some of the teen leaders here amongst our own church. So you get to know them, and when you see them, you give them a big hug and give them a big thank you. First of all, obviously you guys know Eddie and Joanna right here leading our junior high ministry. Yes, and Stan. And uh, together with Eddie and Joanna, we have uh, Brian and Cheryl Catanio. Brian's over there. Is Cheryl here? I don't know where Cheryl... Cheryl's not here. Okay. Um, we also have uh, Bianca Deanda right here, serving as a teen leader. We have uh, Jennifer Mai in the back. Her husband is on a black belt tour right now. So that's their daughter, Lucy. Jen and uh, Wong Mai. Uh, we have Richard and Susan Kim who are not with us today. They're at a conference, a, jo a work conference this weekend. Uh, we also have uh, our, our brand new newlyweds just coming back from their honeymoon, Gary and Jackie Santos, right here. And, um, and then I just, my beautiful wife, I mean, she's just amazing. I just want her to stand. I want her to stand. I want you all to see. Marina and I love working with these brothers and sisters in serving uh, the future generation uh, here of the, of the church and of the world. I really believe we're going to change the world because of this future generation. Amen. Uh, we had a great time with that uh, teen leader retreat. And I really want to encourage you to, to encourage, hug, invite for dinner the different volunteers here in our ministry. Um, you know, our culture loves the underdog story, right? We love the come from behind, the, the little guy who beats the big guy, you know, the, the, the small team that beats the bigger team. We love those stories. We get, we get pulled in and sucked into those stories. Even as cheesy as they can be sometimes, we love it. 
I think about these, uh, you know, when I was thinking about these movies, I was kind of thinking about these, uh, uh, can I get the next slide here? You know, we think about Rocky. You know, where do you get that? This guy's just, you know, no professional training, just going to the gym. This guy's getting them and they're sweating and they're, it's no air conditioning. And he, I mean, amazing, right? The story. You know, we got the next, you know, karate kid. Come on. You're the best around. You know, I mean, the crane and everything. I mean, it's... The guy's getting pounded, he's getting beat up by the guys dressed up in the skulls, and then he comes out, he's just like, BAM! Mr. Miyagi, you know, wax on, wax on. You love that movie. You know, you think about William Wallace, right? And Braveheart. I don't have a soundtrack for that. I don't know how to, you know, you know, but, but you know, he gets, he gets these guys and just with, with axes, is taking down the whole English army. But this guy, against all odds, with the conviction, with the fire, with the inspiration, freedom! And he defeats a whole nation, right? And gets freedom for their country. I think about Gladiator, you know? I mean, the guy lost his wife, he lost his kid, got thrown in the dungeons... And the only way for him to come out and make a name for himself or change the, the, the situation at the time was to get in the arena. And he, and you remember the scenes. I mean, he's taken down like multiple people, not just like one-on-one battles, right? Against all odds. But we love that kind of a movie. You ever seen The Hoosiers? That's an old movie. Maybe some of the teens don't really know what's up, but, you know, my dad actually watched this movie as I grew up. You gotta watch this movie. When I was like in middle school or something like that, and I, and I watched it, and even as a middle school student, I was like, wow, that's awesome. This, this small town basketball, high school basketball team in Indiana, where it's like, that's all they care about is bas- high school basketball. We're not talking about NCAA or NBA, high school basketball. And Gene Hackman comes in there, and even in one of the scenes, they only have like five players or six players to play, and he benches one of them, and the other guy, he doesn't want to even put in the game, so he's got four players on the, on the, on the court. And just to teach the guys a lesson, you've got to do what I say, pass five times before you shoot. You guys, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, but, but he goes, he takes this team... This small high school team and takes them to Indianapolis to the state championship. And they win the state championship. But the whole movie just kind of pulls you in. You're like, yes, come on, make that shot, make that shot. You know what I mean? I want to watch this short uh, video here. Turn it up.
Isn't that cool? But isn't, isn't that so true? If we don't step out there, if we're not willing to fall, you know, what are we doing? And today we're going to study a, a, a book, a, a, do a Bible study in the book of Judges. We're doing a series in the book of Judges and talking about different men in the book of Judges. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon, an unlikely hero. You know, when you see that, that video that we just watched, I mean, Walt Disney was told he had no original ideas, was fired from a newspaper. Isn't that incredible? Michael Jordan cut from the high school basketball team in his room crying. Michael Jordan? Do you know what I mean? I mean, these people who have achieved great things had to fail a few times first to get there. And, uh, you know, in our, in our culture, we love this from rags to riches kind of a story or from of a come from behind kind of a story. And, and today we're going to study out a man in the Bible. I think God works this way. God likes to find the weakest, the smallest, the least, or the situation that no one expects that will lead to success and victory. And he loves to just show off his power. By using that person or that army or that situation to bring about something incredible. And so hopefully as we read this uh, story today, you'll be inspired, encouraged uh, through, the, through the, our time in the Word of God. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you humbled by your Word, and we want to read it that way with humble hearts, open minds, open, heart, open eyes. Help us to glean and to take from your word something today that will inspire us for this, just for this next week, God. If we can just look to you even more this week than we did this past week, Father, we will know, man, this, this is, this is a great time in your word together. Uh, Father, I pray that your spirit will move in a powerful way. Thank you so much for choosing weak people to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded their country. In verse 6 it says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I don't know if Brian talked about this last week in the lesson, but you know, in the book of Judges, as you study it out, there's like a cycle where Israel sins, leaves God, God leaves them, puts them in the hands of an enemy, the Israelites get oppressed and get so overwhelmed that they start crying out to God. God sends a judge or a prophet to lead them to victory and they live for a few years of repentance and brokenness and these kind of things. And then it happens all over again. This cycle in the book of Judges. And you think about what's happening here. Midian has taken over the whole land of Israel. The Israelites are so oppressed, they're living in caves, in mountain clefts. And it takes them seven years to figure out, we need help. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord 
came and sat down under the oak and Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Again, doing something he's supposed to be doing in the farm, in the field. He's indoors, hiding. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, uh, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. We see here the Israelites just oppressed, overwhelmed by issues, problems, shortcomings. You ever felt that way before? Just just overwhelmed. Can't even, don't even know where to start. And God comes in that time and they start crying out to the Lord. And look at Gideon's response when he's called. You know, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. Like, let's go. You can do this. You got this. And what's Gideon's response? If the Lord's with us, why is all this happening? Isn't that our first response sometimes? Let's blame God. Because it's actually, if He's really in control, and all this stuff is happening to me, it's not really my fault, it's God's fault. So God, what's up with you? You know, we kind of put it back on Him. I love God's response though. Listen, Gideon, am I not sending you? I mean, you kind of, you know what I've done in the past, right? You've heard about it. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. That little strength you have, just, just go in that and see what happens. I feel like sometimes God wonders why we doubt Him so much. Why we question. Even Gideon's, even Gideon's excuse of being the least and the weakest and the smallest or whatever, I can imagine God kind of not understanding that logic. And he's like, I'm with you, Gideon. That doesn't even make sense, what you're saying, because I, God, the creator of the universe, am with you. It kind of reminds me of when Jesus was brought a, a demon-possessed boy and the disciples couldn't heal the boy and the father of the boy says, you know, Jesus, if you can heal the boy, man, we would, you know, whatever, we'll change our lives. Jesus' response, if you, if you can, everything's possible for him who believes. If you can, I don't, that logically doesn't make sense. If you can? We see Gideon, as you, as you continue reading the story, I'm not going to read the whole story, but then he, he asks God for a sign. He says, give me a sign. Do this. Do this. Like, give me a magic trick and I'll, I'll, go, I'll go do it. And what, God doesn't give up on Gideon. 
He's patient with him. Even despite Gideon's faithlessness, he still wants to use Gideon. And so they go through this whole thing and he tears down the Asherah pole that uh, was built to worship other gods. His, his own family had created this Asherah pole to worship another god and he tears it down in the middle of the night and then, uh, you know, and then God calls him. He's like, it's time to go, man. And Judges chapter 7, let's turn there. Judges 7 verse 1 says, Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men encamped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So, 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. You know, right before this, Gideon had asked God, he said, God, if you're with me, show me a sign. Like, I'm going to put this fleece out, and in the morning, make it wet and the whole ground around it dry. And God says, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then the next day, Gideon comes back to, God, don't be mad at me, please, let's try it again. This time, make the fleece dry and the whole ground wet. And God doesn't give up on him. God's like, okay. You want to see? You want to see? Okay, I'll do it for you. Despite his faithlessness, despite his excuses, despite all these things, God still wants to use Gideon. And then... He gets all his guys together and he realizes, wow, I can actually, people are actually going to follow me. And he gets them all together and then God now wants to test Gideon. Okay, Gideon, so you got 32,000 men. That's too many. I mean, the whole valley is full of Midianites. It says that they were, you couldn't even count them. There were, you couldn't even count the camels. There were so many, hundreds of thousands of people in the valley. And with an army of 32,000, God says, that's too many people. That's too many men. Tell the guys that were kind of scared to go. And, you know, they're still fearful. 22,000 leave. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel, who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. we got to understand, they were so impoverished, they had no weapons, they had nothing. They had a torch and a trumpet. If you, could, if you read this story, I want to encourage you, even this week, to read the story in detail. You'll realize they had nothing. And then God's like, with 300 guys, I'm going to do this. I'm going to... You're going to kick all of them out of this land that I've given to you. 
with 300... How many of you guys have seen 300, that movie, Leonidas and all that stuff? I mean, 300 versus thousands upon thousands. God likes those kind of odds. I want to stop there. We're going to, we're going to study two areas that I feel like kind of apply or that I got out in this. And I hope that it, it, it gives some perspective for our lives. I want to look at the responses that Gideon has to God. And then what God's response is to Gideon. Because I feel like God's response to Gideon is sort of God's response to us when we doubt, when we fear, when we have weaknesses, shortcomings, things that we can't overcome. And so first of all, I, I think about Gideon's response. Gideon's, you know, he's like, I, 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 if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening to us? And so the first question that, kind of, that God kind of asks, he says, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? It reminds me, it reminds me of uh, another story in the Bible, um, in the book of Job. And, you know, in the book of Job, at the beginning of the, of the book of Job, Job, uh, Satan asks God, Hey, can, I, I want to test, I want to test, uh, Job's faith because I doubt he's as real as you think he is, God. And so God says, Okay, we'll do whatever you want to do. So Satan tests Job, takes away his fields, his money, his, Family gives him uh, diseases. And then for about 35, 36 chapters, Job is just questioning God. And his friends are trying to disciple him and trying to, you know, you're not seeing it clearly from God's perspective. You've sinned. You've done something to allow this to happen to your life. And I want us to read this because it's interesting how God is so patient with us. You know, with Gideon, God did a few signs to help Gideon see, I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. With Job, Job, he waited 38 chapters until he finally answered. And I want to read a little bit of what, what God said. In Job 38, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Can you imagine? We spend all this time questioning God, and then God comes and says, Let me question you. Verse 4, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped, in, wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further. Here's where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? 
Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And Job answered the Lord, I'm unworthy. Yeah. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I'll say no more. And then the Lord spoke to Job again. It's like, Job, I really want you to get this. Again, brace yourself like a man. I'll question you, and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me just to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's, and can your voice thunder like His? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor, and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them in all the, bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself would admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Wow. Do you think God's trying to make a point? Gideon, am I not sending you? Job, you question me? Let me question you. Sometimes, as we're searching for God and seeking God, we we just kind of need some reminders. We need reminders of who God really is. That's why we come together to worship on Sundays, is to be reminded of who God really is. Brace yourself like a man, and I'll question you. Am, Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have, he says. Just, you may have a little bit of strength. Just go with that. Go with that. I got the rest of it. What is holding us back from taking a leap of faith? What is distracting us from giving up whatever sin or bad habit that keeps us away from being used by God? God is just telling us, listen, go with whatever you got. I got the rest. I'll take care of you. I got you. Just go with it. Am I not sending you? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when... Have you been shown the the depths of darkness? 
Were you there when I named all the stars? Am I not sending you? Go in strength you have. And Gideon's response is, well, I'm the weakest. I'm the lamest. I'm the smallest. I'm the least. I'm nothing. I'm the small town high high school basketball team. I'm the guy who got cut from the high school basketball team. I'm the guy who, who was told I had no original ideas. I'm the... That's who I am. I'm nobody. And you would choose me? And again, secondly, I feel like God's response to him, he says, I'll be with you. And in a sense, I feel like God is trying to tell him, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you, Gideon? I mean, you've seen me part, you've heard about me parting the Red Sea. You've heard about the walls of Jericho. You've heard about all these incredible stories. You've seen the times and heard about the times I've delivered Israel over and over and over again. You need 10,000 guys? You don't need 10,000 guys. You got me. I will be with you. Imperfections, weaknesses, shortcomings, in God's eyes can be dealt with because He's saying, I'll be with you. Aren't I enough for you? What else do you need? And what does Gideon do? He tests God. So, well, do this for me. Do this. Let me see the fleece and, you know, show me a sign. I mean, how many times have we, how, how many of us have prayed for signs? I prayed for signs. When I was uh, deciding whether or not to, 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 that Marina was the one, you know, I was praying. I was like, God, give me a sign. And I'm driving, and all of a sudden I see Marina Auto Shop. And then I see, you know, Marina Hardware Store. And then I see Marina Laundromat. And I was like, Marina's everywhere. (laughs) Now, it took me, maybe it took me a few months to figure out that I was driving in Marina del Rey. And I might have purposely driven there and then prayed that prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? But we've all prayed for signs. I want to read a passage here that, that really convicts me and inspires me in this, in this area of am I not enough? Is God not enough? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, Paul writes that he's, he's been shown revelations of God. He's been given all these abilities. He's been, you know, he's doing miracles and, and building churches and helping people and transforming through the gospel of Christ, the world. But it's interesting what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, 
my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. This is God's secret and why He did great things through ordinary, weak people throughout the history of the Bible. He wants to show us, I'm enough. I'm all you need. God basically tells Paul, my, my grace is sufficient. The fact that I've forgiven you is enough. Many times... We're waiting for God to show up when in reality He's already shown up for us over and over again. The issue is is that it's just not enough for us. We want the cross, grace, forgiveness, mercy, a second chance, a third chance, a fifth chance, plus happiness, comfort, health, deep relationships, meaningful purpose, do you see what I'm saying? Material comfort, no sickness, no... Su- we want it all. Am I not enough? Are you satisfied and fulfilled with just knowing God's grace? Is God's grace just God's grace? The fact that I'm a sinner forgiven by God. Is that producing in us a passion to love one another, to forgive one another, to learn more about Him, to pray more to Him, to confess our sins to one another, to serve others, to help others find God? I remember having a conversation with a brother a while ago, and, um, and he, was so, he was so embittered. Because he had given his heart to so many different people and they just wouldn't reciprocate. Either call him back or spend time with him or these kind of things. And as I was listening to him and trying to encourage him, trying to figure out solutions, how, well, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? As we're talking about, he was, you know, older, he was a bit older than me at the time. I was in college and he was a few years ahead of me and uh, he's serving as one of our team leaders at the time. And I, as we're talking and he just, his, his, his face was so, it was just dark. He's just really dark. And there was some unconfessed things there that I later found out about. But he, at the end of the conversation, I just said, as I was listening, I said, let me ask you something. Is the fact that Jesus died for you, isn't that just enough? Is the fact that you've been forgiven of all of your sin, isn't that just enough? Or do you need all the extra additions to the contract? Do you know what I'm saying? Is God's grace not sufficient for you? And as we had this conversation, I just, it revealed a lot. He wanted that plus all the benefits, even more benefits, all the blessings, all these kind of things. These are promises, yes, from God, but at the end of the day, 
Should we not just be content to be forgiven? To have grace in our life, a second chance, an opportunity to even pray to God? Am I not enough for you? Gideon, I'll be with you. I'll be with you, Gideon. Don't worry. 10,000 to 300, I got you, dude. Don't worry. I appreciate... I appreciate and love God's patience with me. You know, I struggle with this area. I want everything else. I tend to forget about I've been forgiven. I just want everything else. Victory in this area, victory here, comfort here. You know, I, I want everything. A little piece of everything, but then I forget God should be enough. It's even to the point sometimes where I can go. I will, I, I will go a day and just rely on my strength and not even come to God humbly before Him. I mean, it comes down to that sometimes, just missing, you know, compromising. I've got, oh, I've got stuff to do. I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of that. And then I forget to just spend some time connecting with God. Simple, just a small thing. But man, how many times have I put that in the back seat just because I'm going on my faith from my quiet time the day before. And not realizing my desperate need for God. You know, we had an incredible uh, team leader retreat, as I was sharing at the beginning. And, and uh, on Saturday, we split up uh, the classes. And we had uh, a class just for the married couples serving in the team ministry and a class for the singles who were serving in the team, in the team ministry. And... Uh, the couple who did the class uh, for the marriage it was so inspiring because they had come, uh, you know, they were in the, uh, serving as campus ministers in the central for a while. They'd moved out to the desert cities. Uh, they came out of the ministry, got, got uh, our, they're both elementary teachers or something like that, or middle school teachers, I can't remember. But it got to a point where they had compromised so much that she, the wife, had decided to not, not uh, be faithful to God anymore. And uh, they ended up separating. And through a, a series of, of conversations and issues and different things, God brought her, con- convicted her, humbled her, and brought her back. And the husband and wife reunited, and now they're serving, leading the team ministry in desert cities. And it, so the story is incredible. One of the things he st- that he said that stuck out to me, he said, listen, I, I never... I've never, since that time, this is a few years back, he's like, I've never missed a time with God since that time. Or a time praying with my wife since that time. He said because, and he said, it's not because of legalism, it's not because it's a duty, it's because I've never been that desperate. It's an issue of desperation, he said. Not missing a time with God is an issue of desperation. How desperate are we? For God, and it convicted me and inspired me. And I'm I, I love repenting. I love God's grace because, man, I just needed to repent in the areas of praying with my wife. Just simple, having consistent times with my Father in heaven. I'm weak. I am weak. I need God. I want to challenge us today. 
Closing out here. To learn a lesson from Gideon, the unlikely hero, the come from behind champ. In our own flesh and in our own flesh and in our own mind, we are all like Gideon, the unlikely hero. We're all like that at some level. Questioning God or doubting our own abilities. We're all like that. But but to God, we are like we are a prized possession. A prized jewel that he wants to use. And so, teens, go on the strength you have. Well, Rube, it's so hard at school, you don't even understand. Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? Look at what, look at what we just read, teens. That God is with you at high school. That God that we read about, He's with you. He's walking with you. He's, He's with you. Am I not sending you? Go. You got a little bit of strength? Just go with that. I got the rest. Singles. Am I not enough? Many times... As singles, we, you know, trying to get this or get that or find fulfillment in different areas of career, hobbies, relationships. And then when things fall through, we blame God. Well, if God would have allowed this to happen in my life, then X, Y, and Z. And we blame God instead of just saying, is God's grace sufficient for me? Am I okay just with God's grace? All the other things are extraditions, which are awesome. The friendships, the relationships, the fun times, all these, the career, all these things are great. But is God enough? I want to encourage our parents. We have a lot of great parents here in the church. Go in the strength you have. <laughs> and maybe a little bit of strength. And maybe a little bit of wisdom. But go with that. God will make up the rest. You know, Marina and I have two awesome little toddlers. And they drain our energy like no other. I mean, they just want to they just want to have fun. All, and it's awesome. We have a great time. But by 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, we're just like... Where am I? You know? And we love it, but sometimes it can feel like strength is just, it's dwindling. The energy, the physical strength, the physical energy is just dwindling. Go in the strength you have, parents. God will make up the rest. Do you trust Him to that? I think sometimes we're here. Next slide here. Sometimes we're here. We're at the edge. And God's like, come on, jump. I got you. I got you. But we're just, we're stalled. And we're staring at the empty space. We don't realize God's going to catch us. God's, God's got us. And so we stay here for years. And then we never change. We never grow. 
We don't repent. We don't trust God. We, trust our, we rely on our own self. We go in the strength that we have, which is it. That's it. And we just stay there. I want to challenge us all today to get to this next slide where we just jump off. <laughs> you just jump off. Take a leap of faith. Should I confess my sin this week? I'm going to jump. Should I repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins? I don't know. I don't know if I believe in all that stuff. Just jump. Should I get open with this brother about what he did and and the sin against me? Or should I hold it in? Just jump. Do I need to get resolved with my wife? Do we need to... Pray every day and try to figure... Just jump. Go in the strength you have. Let God make up the rest. It's all about God. It's not about you. God is all we need. He's enough. I want us to hold on to that this week. Whenever you're weak... Whenever you're tired, God's enough. Whenever you're bitter, I don't want to go to the, to, to the, to the Bible study group, or I don't want to talk to this sister. Or I don't. God is enough. Don't make excuses. Let's go after God. He's already shown up for us. Let's show up for Him. Amen.